0: Hello there, you are listening to At The Well, the bi-monthly Bible podcast to help you see yourself in the stories of Scripture. I'm Jarrell. I'm Charles. And I'm Eli. And we are delighted that you're joining us for this week's discussion. Gentlemen, it has been a rainy Monday here in Maryland. I had to turn the heat back on, which I'm not happy about. Um, but how how have your Mondays been?
1: And uh, Temperature-wise, yeah, it's very interesting. We've had the heat, the AC nothing on windows open doors open our we don't know how to dress our kids you know like we we were like oh <laughs> short sleeve shirts for bedtime we're pretty sure josiah woke up in the middle of the night because he was freezing cold like i we Aww. just in terms of having Uh-oh. kids like this this weather is frustrating right do we get the spring clothes now do we keep the winter clothes in it's it's confusing and a little frustrating as a parent
0: i i'll be honest charles i have never considered um the idea of like changing spring weather from the perspective of a parent because with you, it with like I was just like, well, I'm just gonna be cold, or I'll turn the heat on, or I'll just like layer up. both with kids, it's like you're just gonna set with whatever I put you in. So if I screw it up, you're gonna be really uncomfortable. Jeez,
1: man! If I if we screw it up, we lose sleep because our kids wake up they the cold, yeah, or hot,
0: or Poor bub- whatever. Poor Bubbo.
1: It's I just warm just
2: rest of the week. Many, I have just as many questions about myself. Because I also wake up in the middle of the night <laughs> cranky when I'm cold <laughs> or overly hot. More so when I'm hot. I can't sleep in the heat. So oh. yeah. yeah, yeah. I, I relate to Bubbo a lot. <laughs> oh, <poor guy. laughs> to Jeff sizzle. But um Just Sizzle. I've I I don't I think you two know this about me at this point. I like rainy weather. So like today was a very nice Monday for me. I'm I could well, I don't I'm I don't ever imagine moving to Seattle or to London. I could totally imagine living in both of those places.
0: We're gonna start this week. where we start most weeks, other than two weeks ago, and we start with a rant of the week. This will be our question of the week segment. So if you have a question you want to submit for this for us to answer, all you gotta do is email us at three guys at the well at gmail.com. That's the number three. Then guys at the well, all one word and lowercase at gmail.com. And so this question, you know, a couple of years ago, or last year, we're not that old. Last year, we did a Super Bowl prediction that, you know, one of us got right. It doesn't matter who. This year, I thought it'd be fun to balance it out. And so we start doing World Cup predictions over the summer. Um, we're going to, the NBA playoffs have just started. Um, one of us has watched a copious amount of basketball in the last two days. I'm not going to say who. So I wanted to get, while the playoffs are one game in, our predictions for who will win this year's NBA Finals. Charles, I'm going to start with you. I think we're going to agree, but I'll start with you. We'll save you life for last.
1: Yeah, yeah. Best flying for last is a, is a good friend Best of ours, one. I like to say. Best um, one. So I, I haven't watched much basketball at all, but I do know that the death lineup was recently uh, premiered. Mm. And uh, you go. it was a dangerous premiere, dangerous for mm. other teams and i know there are better seeded teams out there but i really can't go against my boy Draymond Green your dad Jarrell, thank Steph- you stephen curry thank you <laughs> and uh splash brother number 2 clay thompson
0: and uncle, uncle clay uncle, oh, uncle clay, is clay.
1: <laughs> and, the, and the and the golden state warriors
0: there we go charles has the correct answer as do i um I two games into this season, predicted that the my my dad, Steph Curry, <laughs> of the Golden State Warriors would win his fourth title. I said this two games into the season. When they win, I will be screenshotting the text and posting it on all at the well social media. Um, they they've had some ups and downs. My 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 own father, Steph Curry, has been injured. <laughs> Draymond Green has been in, injured. Uncle, <laughs> uncle... <laughs> who's your uncle <laughs> uncle clay was out for the first half of the season but you know what i uh, family matters in the merrill household and i can <laughs> i cannot go against my own father steph curry so it will be the golden state warriors uh in six against whoever they play uh book the parade now Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to FaceTime dad to tell him job well done on breaking the all-time three-point record and winning an NBA title in one season. Eli, who you got? <laughs> um, I After a really astute,
2: um, really very collegiate Google search, <laughs> I'm going to go with the Milwaukee Bucks because this CBS Sports article I read Mm, Two seconds before you ask that question uh, has really helped me out. And I think that uh, Giannis uh, Tentacumpo. Mm hmm. There you go. Yup, And all 37 of those letters (laughs) is just going to (laughs) do stellar. (laughs) (laughs) Just just stellar. You know, I think he's really he's a power forward, you know, (laughs)
1: <laughs> uh-huh. What and else? Do you carry know, on,
2: Carry um. on. <laughs> you know he's six eleven. Yep. Oh, you know, but he's got a wingspan. I was about he's to ask
1: seven <laughs> three. Yeah, we was about to ask what's his
2: wingspan, Eli. <laughs> it's <laughs> also I don't know if you
0: know this, but he's two hundred and forty two pounds. Wow. <laughs> I mean, Eli, that's a good that's a good choice. um I mean, I don't I don't have to tell you this. You already know. But Giannis you know, is a, a, a two time MVP. Wow, that's crazy! Um, and like uh, you know, reigning champions are the Bucks. Mm. I mean, you watched every game of the finals last year. You know that they uh-huh. they won it all. Uh, you know, people mm. are with the Bucks. People are concerned about um, Chris Middleton's contributions and mm. his inconsistent shooting from the field. Can you give us some uh, your thoughts on whether or not Giannis can overcome? I was, I was overcome. wondering the
1: exact same thing. I myself He's am right. wondering: is he, you know he, you he know, even think? is even worth worth the money?
0: And who no. who better to ask than than Eli? So Eli, like, please yeah. invite us. You know what's
2: really crazy about Chris uh, Middleton is that his name is spelled with a K, and not a C. <laughs> 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 and I learned that when when Google asked me, "Did you mean?" <laughs> <laughs> and um, I did mean that. You know what? He's he's a little shorter than uh, Giannis. Uh, he's he's only six seven. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, i i don't know his weight and therefore he he doesn't make as much contribution what are you saying
0: is that what you're, is that what you're saying if for people who are betting on the bucks because gambling is legal now if for people betting on the bucks do you think that the do you think that the the k in his name is enough of a diversion that it'll catch opponents off guard and that you know should I, should people put their money down on the bucks?
2: yes Yes, yes. Bet on the Bucks. Uh, I don't, you know, I don't care about Jarrell's father. <laughs> his, wow. His dad or his his, his cousin, his uncle. Whoever, uncle Clay. <laughs> Wade insult my
1: entire family, the whole family. <laughs> wow. <laughs> so um, So you're telling yeah. people to bet on the Bucks using their Bucks?
2: yes wow good good catch look at you writing cool 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 (laughs) look at this behind the scenes oh wait we need to start the episode (laughs) we need to start the episode Uh,
0: we we might be wandering and lost in this conversation (laughs) no Eli you've you've had you get cogent takes on why people should pick the bucks I don't think that's a bad call but (laughs) as as we all know I, uh, I have given prescient sports takes wow. on this pod. Wow. So um, I think at the end of the day, Charles and I will be right, and my father will celebrate his fourth NBA championship. So let's, vocabulary is
2: pregnant, Jarrell. <laughs> we,
0: we have discussed the use of that word outside of maternity, Eli. You know it is banned <laughs> on the pod. How, how dare you insult my father and <laughs> use words like this when I've explicit, explicitly forbade it. <laughs> I'm going to admit, sorry. <laughs> this, is, this, is, this is the most off the rails this, this opening has ever been. Charles, don't you delete any of it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. So we are <laughs> we are getting deep into our season uh, seven of Wandering But Not Lost. where We look at accounts of the Israelite people during the season of wandering post-Egypt, pre-The Promised Land. Um, to see what we can learn about the transcendent qualities of God and discipleship as presented when the people of God weren't a part of necessarily church bodies or communities as we know them today, but we're literally wandering the desert. What, What does it tell us about the character of God? What does it tell us about the nature of our discipleship? How can we learn from it? And this week's passage is from Exodus 34 verses 10 to 17 and Leviticus chapter 20 verses 22 to 26. And the focus of today's episode is warnings against idols. So if you have your Bibles and you aren't driving, you can turn there now while I set the scene. As it turns out, we're not alone out here. Lots of other nations that are very different from us are here. Different foods, customs, traditions, and gods. So now we're having these family meetings where Moses is reminding us of our customs, our traditions, and our God. We've seen inexplicable plagues, a sea part in two, and bread fall from heaven. Yet somehow, we're still enticed by what these other nations are offering. From Exodus 34. And he says, the Lord speaking. Behold, I make a covenant. Before all your people, I will do marvels such as have not been done in all the earth, nor in any nation, and all the people among whom, among whom you are, you shall see the work of the Lord, for it is an awesome thing that I will do with you. Observe what I command you this day. Behold, I am driving out from before you the Amorite and the Canaanite and the Hittite and the Perizzite and the Hivite and the Jebusite. Take heed to yourself, lest you make a covenant with the inhabitants of the land where you are going. Lest it be a snare in your midst. But you shall destroy their altars, break their sacred pillars, and cut down their wooden images. For you shall worship no other God, for the Lord, whose name is jealous, is a jealous God. Lest you make a covenant with the inhabitants of the land, and they play the harlot with their gods, and make sacrifice to their gods. And one of them invites you, and you eat of his sacrifice. And you take of his daughters for your sons. And his daughters play the harlot with their gods and make your sons play the harlot with their gods. You shall make no molded gods for yourselves. From Leviticus 20. You shall therefore keep all my statutes and my judgments and perform them. That the land where I am bringing you to dwell may not vomit you out. And you shall not walk in the statutes of the nation which I am casting out before you. For they commit all these things. And therefore I abhor them. But I have said to you, you shall not. You shall inherit their land, and I will give it to you to possess, a land flowing with milk and honey. I am the Lord your God, who has separated you from the peoples. You shall therefore distinguish between clean animals and unclean, between unclean birds and clean. And you shall not make yourselves abominable by beast or by bird, or by any kind of living thing that creeps on the ground, which I have separated from you as unclean. And you shall be holy to me, for I, the Lord, Am holy, and have separated you from the peoples that you should be mine. Gentlemen, what are your first thoughts or takeaways from reading through and then now listening to these passages?
2: So the first
0: question that
2: has been coming to my mind for years that this uh, that these passages brought up was, what is the desire of love, and that is to be loved in return. Um, That is the desire of love, and we know that God is love, and so God, um, desiring a relationship with his image bearers, wants to be loved back by us, and um, it's so consistent between the New Testament and the Old Testament that God compares worshiping other gods, false gods, gods that don't exist, uh, to infidelity. Uh, In in the Exodus 34 reading that you read, lest you make covenant with the inhabitants Mm -hmm. of the land, and they play harlot, harlot with their gods and make sacrifice to their gods. And one of them invites you and you eat of his sacrifice. Um, And in the Leviticus reading, obedience is clearly shown as fidelity to God. We read in uh, several of the verses that you read, you shall therefore keep all my statutes and all my judgments and perform them, that the land where I am bringing you to dwell may not vomit you out. And you shall not walk in the statutes of the nation which I am casting out before you, for they commit all these things, and therefore I abhor them. Keeping all God's statutes is absolutely akin to loving God back, requiting His love. And um, this notion is just clarified and repeated very simply when Jesus in John recorded in John fourteen fifteen very plainly says to his disciples and says to us in reading it, if you love me, you will keep my commands. Um, And it's more than just being dutiful. It is how we, our obedience is how we actually say, I love you back to Jesus. And it's how we show affection to God and gratitude to God. Um, And when you put that spin on it, to me obedience becomes far more than just a soldier taking orders.
1: I think for me, one of the things that I noticed, particularly in Exodus passage, was the ites, <laughs> the the number of ites that you mentioned <laughs> that are mentioned in, in God's word here, um, are are literal worshipers of idols, um, what they would call gods with this lowercase g, um, that are. Uh, replicated through wooden carvings or statues or whatever they literally have other gods which are idols because they're not the living and true god and so um when god is talking to the israelites in this passage um and he says i'm going to drive out before you these people uh he's actually driving out evil he's actually driving out idols like statues and people who who would call Israel away from their one true affection in in God, the Father, uh, the true God. And so I think oftentimes, maybe we could read that or maybe not understand that. And I think for me, that was enlightening when I realized that like, actually, these, these were actual idols, there was actually evil within this people that wasn't going to just dissipate It needed to be eradicated. God needed to eradicate them, not just so that Israel could take the promised land, but so that evil could no longer exist within the land in which they were supposed to take. So that is something that maybe we knew, maybe you guys knew, maybe our listeners knew. I know I didn't until I actually read the book that I was reading uh, that I mentioned before, um, the the Old Testament in light of the new in our last episode. But I think also like that's a historical fact that's actually happened. But I think also we can be like, oh, that's cool. Okay, yeah. Well, we don't really have the uh, the parasites and the Hivites and the Jebusites around us, um, so this doesn't apply. But it actually absolutely does. You talked about the affection of our heart, Eli, and I think it's easy. For us to say, like, oh, we don't have wooden statues or, or whatever. And we don't, that's not a part of Christianity. So we don't have idols. And actually, if we look uh, inwardly and we say, what is the affection of my heart? We can say, well, actually, there is maybe not evil, but there is something that's drawing me away from the Lord. <laughs> if there is something, as verse 12 says, that's a snare in my midst, in the midst of, of following. Um, The Lord, so I just and I don't know what that is, right? For me, oftentimes it can be leisure. I I don't really want to spend time with the Lord because I'm tired and I'm going to sleep in, or I want to watch this movie, or I want to scroll Facebook. That that's for me that can become an idol, as opposed to like going to find rest, as we talked about in the Sabbath, and or conversing with the Lord. But I think for us who are wandering. Right now, we're not lost, but we're wandering toward with a, with a purpose to obtain the pearl of great price, to obtain a living God and access to a living God. We, we should be aware of what are those things that are a snare in my midst, in my journey of discipleship that's distracting me from the Lord, uh, that could take away from. Uh, the value that I place in him. For the Israelites, it was a people, an evil people worshiping other gods. And it might not be as obvious to us, but we can be pretty obtuse. I know I can be pretty obtuse in my own discipleship and just be completely blinded to the idols that are in my life. The things that, as you read in the second passage, that, that prevent me from actually keeping statutes and the judgments and the commands of the Lord. Um, So I think there's there's something, some historical, biblical knowledge here, like, oh, right, okay, this wasn't just like a vindictive God, this was God executing justice upon evil, and removing burials and obstacles and idols from his people, but that we have that as well. And that's going to look different for each of us, but we should be aware that we have that in our lives too, and we need to be aware of it. um and come against it as uh strongly as the lord did against uh these foreign false fake gods
0: yeah i think it as you said at the end there the need to come against those requires honesty for the of the things that entice us you know like um as easy as it, as it is um, for us to kind of sit back and say well you know, God's warning them about these like physical uh, peoples and uh, idols that they worshiped. And it, it can be easy, I think, for us to go, well, you know, that seems like it's pretty clear and obvious. But uh, I think the thing about the idols that we make, whether they be of wood, or just like erected in our own minds is that uh, they are enticing, and they are um, things that are things we can fall into without realizing it. And I there's a there's a level of honesty that I think we have to have is, as children of God of our own tendency toward waywardness um, to not dismiss anything that maybe isn't a carved image um, as like, Oh, well, that's not idolatry. Like that's something that we, what, what was for them carved images or golden calves for us is like, like, like what you said, Charles, like for me, like the things that I consider to be my time, are things that I need to be very aware of. Well, am I making an idol of this? Am I saying no to things that I should say yes to because I want my time to like do what I want to do with it? And um, and there are a lot of other things as well. But I think that um, it first requires the it requires us to be honest about our own weakness to the Lord and um, to remember that He is still sufficient. Like we talked about. In the previous episode his rest is sufficient like we talked about in one of the openings of the season his provision is sufficient and so i think that there's a certain level of honesty we have to have when we talk about the idols that we encounter um in order to you know move against them and like remove them from our midst appropriately and also like to bounce off vila of i love the point about obedience being like a, resp- a response to being loved and then loving someone in return that's also been very helpful for me to see the idea of obedience not as just do what i say but like you know with anyone you love romantically or otherwise um when you're invested in that relationship you love people in the way that they show they want to be loved whether that's like me- making time to talk to somebody or uh you see something we have a, a friend of ours who's like if he sees things that remind him of people he'll like get them for him as gifts and so whatever that is like The idea that like with the people that you care about, you love them where they are um, and because you care about them. Like with my mom and I recently, we've been trying to, I've been trying to talk to her more regularly. And so we've set a time to like, that's a time where I call my mom because I know that's something that she uh, needs and gets a lot of life out of. And it like makes her feel loved by me, which is what I want her to feel. And so when we project that even more so um, to God, who doesn't just offer us a set of rules, but a relationship, it does get... I think is a, it was a big perspective shift for me um, to think about it in that way. So I'm glad you said that. Um, so then the question I have for for you guys is, you know, as we said, idols are enticing. Um, otherwise we wouldn't need to be warned against them. Um, so what in this theme, we've been kind of going about this in two ways, talking about what does it was, it means to wander as a member of a church or a formal Christian body. And what does it mean to wander as someone who maybe is between, Uh, church bodies, maybe due to um, struggles with uh, those bodies adhering to um, these uh, values that are transcendent of God in this wandering season. So um, one or the other or both, what do you think are idols that everyone's different, every place is different, but idols that you have either seen or experienced in your own life or just that you would, that we want to kind of name in the way that they were named in this passage to kind of call out this is something to be aware of even if you don't think it's something to be aware of
1: for me this is a personal one it's certainly that the lord has been placing on my mind of late um that is kind of can be an idol for me which is the idol of self-sufficiency and i think you you mentioned it like i can do it on my own i mean i I, I work in ministry. I, I serve in a, in a Christian community. I've got my family, and I can often kind of take that on myself and try to gird, gird my way, like grit my way through it. Uh, and the Lord's been like kind of <laughs> revealing to me, like, uh uh-uh, uh, you can't, you can't do that. It's not going to work. You're not going to be successful through that um, in anything you do. Um, so I think that is one that's a sneaky one that has been sneaking up on me um and uh so that might be something that people resonate with but i also think at times for those who are disconnected or deconstructing their journey with or previously with a a, a church body and a, institu- a church institution that can be a sneaky idol uh because it's really easy to think well pastor x hurt me church why hurt me uh and i love god i love jesus i know who he is but i don't need the institution i don't need the body of christ i can do this on my own um i am self sufficient i know who christ is but i don't need the body because the body has hurt me um and i certainly can can empathize i don't think i understand i can understand like you know empathize like yep that's that's significant and there's some Reconciliation and and healing that needs to happen there. This idea or the undercurrent idea that I can I can Mm -hmm. journey alone, I can walk as a disciple um, without the accountability, the encouragement, the support of brothers and sisters is just not biblical. I mean, just flat out not biblical. The institution of the church, you look at Acts chapter two, we have a model for what the church is supposed to look like. If you look at Jesus's ministry, uh, he he went with people. Uh, he had a, a group of 12 uh, and then another group of, you know, whoever he deputized another like 200 or whatever it was. Um, you just, anyway, look at scripture, you can't say like, for, like for the most part, like I can do this alone. that's not how it's set up and, I, and that's I think an undercurrent of self-sufficiency, which again is my, <laughs> my default. And so I see it for myself. I can also see it as for those who are going through deconstruction, to those who are uh, traversing the pain of church hurt, uh, that that could be a thing. Um, and although I know the hurt is real <laughs> and I know healing is needed, uh, we still need if not an institution, if not a church, we need brothers and sisters at a minimum. People who are, we need people. We need our people who are going to help open up the scriptures for us. Like we try to do for each other in this podcast. And hopefully for you listener who are able to call us out in sin in a loving way, but who are able to call us out, who are able to help us grow. I mean, I can't grow as a Christian by myself, uh, that's what I got you guys for. That's what I got Chelsea for. That's what I got other people for. Um, I would hate to to think of where I would be as a disciple without the, the men and the women and uh, the various churches that I've been a part of uh, instructing me and holding me accountable uh, and teaching me. Um, and I... I can't be self-sufficient and I don't think anyone else can be either in their discipleship.
0: that's no, just very quickly. That was the first thing that I, I had written down. I think that um, especially if you're coming from a place where wrong has been done and there's things that you are still healing from. There's a tendency to just kind of go, oh, screw it. I'm gonna, I don't want, like out of a and I I I know that in myself, like, um, Sometimes I don't if I'm not processing hurts well, that's how it internalizes of just like, well, I don't need anybody. Um, almost as a defense mechanism. And that's something that like uh the Lord has like made me more aware of uh for a while now that I can like kind of recognize. Well, actually I do. Um so yeah, I would say the exact the exact same thing. It's you don't have to you don't have to be a part of the body. That the part of the part of the body that hurt you, if you're listening to this and you have your own church hurt of things you're processing, you do not have to be a part of that body, but you should, you are designed for community, you are designed for uh, connection, you are designed uh, for uh, the building of the body of Christ around you, be a part of that um for your own growth and also to see how God makes himself known in other people as well. And so I, that was my thing, like the idol of isolation or self-reliance of like, well, this didn't go well. And maybe for justifiable reasons, but then to just go, I'm out with all of it, um, or with everybody that it may be tempting is tempting. Um, but the Lord has made us for more than that. And because we know from these passages, we've read all season that he is a God of provision. We have every reason to believe that He will um, provide for you in that need for community, even if it's not through the community that you started with. You both have answered the question
2: really well. Um, as I've spoken to a couple people who are dealing with church, or with church hurt or with like burnout or with uh, ministry burnout or just like any, any negative experience, I think in, in America, especially where there's just so many. Um, even just Christian denominations, um, and when there's so many different kinds of churches that are available to you, I think an idol that is available to you is, or that is available to all of us, is choice. And when I say that, I don't, I don't mean that we don't have a free will, but like an idol is something that we put in place of God, or that we like. I don't think that simply having a bunch of options available to you is the same thing as discerning them out. Um, and like sometimes because we can leave a church doesn't necessarily mean that we should always leave a church. Um, because sometimes when you don't work on redeeming something that is broken, like that person that you're leaving from, if, if, if it is an individual who's like hurting you or like who has said something to you or who has wronged you, like Paul actually encourages us to go about it in a way that, that can be helpful. Now, if you've gone through that due process and, and to no avail, I encourage you to like discern out of that particular body and be like, you know what? I'm, I'm gonna tell some people about why I'm leaving. People know why I'm leaving. I've been transparent about it. I've handled myself with integrity. It's time to bounce. Um, but like please don't hurt or leave in secret. Address it with the individual. If the individual refuses to accept anything, bring in a mediator. Please, like we're a church. You're we're allowed to actually like. Bring people in, and, and, and you, we can avoid gospel, we can avoid slander in those ways, but like the goal is to is to redeem um, relationships where there is wrong, not simply to cut every single one of them out. And so like if, you, if you're under leadership that does not know what it's doing in a particular context, then as a church member, you actually have the authority in, a, in, in respectful ways to address that person and to call them out and, and, and that can begin with an in-person one-on-one, And if that happens, I'm, I'm starting to repeat myself, but just like, sometimes I think that we just abandon ship because we see it sinking and don't realize that we actually have more, more ability than we think we do to patch things up rather than to just skedaddle. Um, you have power, the Holy Spirit is present. I don't know, I'm hearing a lot about church and, and I'm reading a lot of articles recently about, and, and there are just some things that are handled so quietly that there's no real opportunity for some things to have actually been uh, fixed. It's like, okay, well, I had a talk with this person and it's done now. It's like, okay, well, now everybody else is still dealing with that same person and nothing is being fixed. And maybe someone else is getting tortured. And so like addressing it matters, addressing it matters.
0: Which as well gets into the idea of self-isolation of like, well, handle it on my end of things yeah. um in a way that maybe is satisfying or uh comfortable but isn't necessarily biblical like we have the example of paul bring a, another brother or sister bring a mediator and things like that um yeah thank you for highlighting those passages in particular um i think the one that i thought that uh, came to mind when i was preparing for this is one i think applies to both ends of it so for people who are leaving churches or leaving bodies because of harm that has been done, you don't want to get into the idol of isolation or just like uh, unhelpful mediation as mm. like you're kind of getting to Eli, um, which I think is, a, is an offshoot of self-isolation and self-sufficiency of i, I just going to handle this in the way that um, I want to. Um, I think for both, and it seems like an obvious one, but for different reasons, uh, the idol of like not biblical culture. Um, I think that but like uh, I think that both in the case of churches or people that are between bodies can fall into this idea can fall into elements of culture that are not necessarily biblically rooted um but are very easily intertwined with how we consider our faith walk or how we consider our churches. Um, I think that, I think we've mentioned in past episodes, sometimes the culture of a church body can start to look increasingly more like the general politics of the majority of that church body. Um, And when that's discussed in a way that seeks to not um, choose one side or the other, but to simply point out the virtues that we should be or the way to think about voting like, that's, that's a productive conversation to have in a church context when it just becomes, I vote, like, when it becomes, like, I think this way and align with, when you find, when you find yourself in the way that you exercise your uh, civic duty, um, choosing one side or the other just by default, I would suggest that politics has become an idol in your church. Or if you find the majority of the people in church, like, falling into that then I'd say that that's become an idol. And I say that particularly in America, because politics becomes an idol in a lot of people's lives in a lot of different ways, and the church is not an exception. Um, So I think the culture of politics is the defining characteristics instead of it being God himself, where you will defend the actions or agendas of political figures or parties, even when they don't align with what God has said, because you think that that's the right side. There is no right side Jesus doesn't fit in the red or blue box um so I think the culture of politics I think culture of uh nationalism is one of these and th- these are just these are like soap pockets for me personally um but it's in reading I- I've said this to Sandy a couple times in reading like the like the passage we had today and, and there are a lot of passages like this in uh the uh the Torah where God says like beware of the idols like the Jebusites, the Hittites, the Hivites, the uh, parasites and so on. There's this, there's a thing in, in American Christianity where people act as if America itself is Israel in like outside forces of sin, like the world of the flesh and the devil, or what are the parasites, the Jebusites, the Hittites, whatever. Um, and I, I want to say it here for posterity that if we're being honest about the body of Christ, uh, at that point in salvation history, and trying to make comparisons to now, the body that's scattered throughout uh, the wilderness is comparable to the body of Christ on Earth. And if you're listing idols, then it wouldn't just be I'll oh, be aware of places that we know. I've uh, believe other religions, like America, would be in that list. <laughs> like Hittites, Jebusites, Parasites, like Murica culture, or just like because as a place. America is not a Christian nation, never has been never will be. And if we begin to take our values from what we see, if we begin to prize patriotism, as like, that's Christianity, that is an idol. Um, I think we've talked about it as the last, last thing I'm going to say, because I'll, I'll rant on this but I think we talked about it on here, I get really annoyed when I'm at churches on the fourth of July, or around the fourth of July. And like, during a time of worship, they'll play like Battle Hymn of the Republic. Like that drives me crazy because that is actually idolatry because Jesus didn't die so that America could defeat the British. Jesus died because we're miserable sinners in need of a savior. And so equating the two where we're going to sing this song about America in a place that's meant for the glory and worship of God. I, I it, it, it drives me up a wall to no end because it's so commonly accepted, which is why I think this idea of culture is, especially when it comes to politics and nationalism, or even patriotism, needs to be called out explicitly because the two get equated so easily and so imperceptibly, especially in American church culture, that it's easy, like the Israelites, to just stumble into it and not even realize it. Um so that, that needs to be called out again and again and again and again, because America love its, loves itself some America, sometimes more than Jesus. And if you are a member of a church or a leader of a church who is, de- first of all, don't play uh, yay America hymns at a church. Like, that's not cool. Um, but also be aware of the ways that you, we should be aware of the fact that there are a lot of things to be warned against in the predominant culture that exists in our country. Um, so yeah, I'm going to pause on that on that end of it. So culture, particularly in the way it pertains to those things, but also culture on the side of if you are, uh, deconstructing, I think that it's, it's really helpful to be honest about the things that are hurtful or bad experiences that you've had. But I think you also want to be aware of a culture that like, like Eli said, will just kind of abandon things full stop. Um, And that gets into the self-reliance piece of like, well, this didn't work. So now I'm just kind of off God entirely, or I'm off quote unquote religion entirely. I think we have a culture general America that just bails on things. And it's, again, it's worth saying you don't need to be a part of that body, but you need to be a part of somebody. You can call out the fact that this person or this group of people did not represent Christ well. So let's seek out people who do. Let's seek out uh the things that do um and so i think the the tendency of culture to say i had a bad experience so this is just gone is something to be warned against that you don't abandon truth in processing your own hurt or in processing the ways that you have not been given a uh accurate depiction of who god is all right that's all for me
2: the question that's the question that's come into mind and i'm sure we i know we have to wrap up soon
0: um
2: but just like Maybe this is a think-on-it question, but just like, rather than giving instructions on how, how to enter, like how do you enter into wander? how would you to describe entering into wandering well? Because there's a lot of people who are thrown into the process of, okay, I feel really abandoned by this church, or I actually need to leave. Like, and I don't know if, I don't know if either of you, well, Charles, you mentioned that you didn't, you understand it intellectually, but you didn't, you haven't experienced wandering from a, church, a particular church body. Um, Jarrell, I don't know if you have. I know that I had to leave a church six years ago before I came to Solid Rock because there was just, there was just doctrine that was, that was unbiblical and it was, was... being preached.
1: Yes, I, I, I remember my wife I, was a part of this, my wife, I, and I was, I was in leadership with of a ministry that had a bunch of people, including you, that were yeah. a part of this church. So I actually pastored many people through that situation, um, which was very yeah. challenging, actually. So I've pastored people through like, a situation like that. <laughs> yeah.
2: So like, We've had this wandering phase, and all of us have been connected to it by some degree of separation. And like, I don't know how I—I I just knew that I had to leave. But I don't know. I think I handled it well, and by handling it well, it was just like frantically praying on a daily basis. Lord, I need a new church. Help. And I wound up, you know, going to Solid Rock. But I don't know. I don't. I don't think are know if these, there's no guidebook on wandering. But like the goal. My advice from someone who has done it before, kind of, well, actually not even kind of, definitely, like, if your desire is to be close to Jesus, you can wander without getting lost. But if if the wandering you enter into upends even your relationship or your trust or your obedience to Christ, Mm -hmm. then you may get lost. And my encouragement to you is that even if you are at home and you're mourning the fact that, like, okay, I... I feel like I've lost a, a lot of people that I've invested in. I feel like, you know, I, I, there's just a lot of like nonsense going on at the, at the church where I used to go in and you're just sitting at home and you're like, what am I going to do this Sunday? Like pray desperately fast, tell some, like, d- don't do it by yourself. Please tell friends, like to the isolation point, don't do that. Don't be by yourself. You're just not, you're just, we're just not supposed to do that. Um, we can't be by ourselves in this mess, but like. Let your goal always be Jesus and have expectant faith enough to know that, okay, if I pray this prayer for another church, I'll be brought to another church and I can take a leap of faith and, ha- and, and trust that the Lord will provide something else. And yeah, I'll st- I will I have questions that I need to ask when I get to that church. <laughs> what do you all believe about this? <laughs> is, this is this helpful doctrine? Is this, do you all ha- have something that will challenge me with the truth and, and that will be good? for me and for my soul and for my eternal my eternal destination but like allow your allow allow the hurt that caused the wandering to inform where you land next um, and just like continually trust that god knew that you were going to experience that allowed it to happen for a reason and is not using it to upend your life but to move you from one space to the next Um, because wandering can be a place where you are lost and you just don't want to be lost. Like no one wants to flounder apart
1: from Christ. The word that comes to mind when you're talking, Eli, uh, and kind of maybe as a ephemeral answer to your question is intentionality. I think people can like say, screw it, forget it and just go. And like, Mm -hmm. they have no plan, no intention outside to like quit it and forget it or or whatever, and I think something you did in that situation, and that we did, I did pastoring a couple people through that situation, was we were very intentional, like, wait, okay, what exactly is the situation, what are our steps moving forward, how are we going to handle this, how do we do this, not just, like, like, do we need to have conversations within the church, is that appropriate, is that not intentionality, having a plan, even if that plan is nothing more than, like, seeking the Lord as you did that in and of itself is good, but we can't, I think to, the answer is like, how do you, how do you engage that wandering so that you don't become lost? You have, there's intention. There's a purpose, which you said, Eli, was like to find Christ, to be near Christ, to be more like
0: Christ. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I guess I'll say this last uh, thing to close this. I've never, I've never left a, a body on like bad terms. Um, I didn't really go to church until I went to college. So there's not a ton of um, space for it. But I'll say that a, a verse, that gives me a lot of peace and encouragement. And just because we, we already opened the season saying that we're all wandering, like we're pilgrims on the earth. This isn't home. And there should be a sense of unsettledness in our spirits just because this is not the thing we were made for. And so when I'm wrestling with that, either uh, due to uh, despair of just uh situations on earth or just despair of things in my own life one of the verses gives me verses that gives me a lot of peace um, is when Christ says I go to prepare a place for you if it weren't true I wouldn't have told you um, and so for me that sets my eyes to heaven of this is what the Lord has called me to and he wouldn't have said that if it were not true um, and so the, and the ultimate wandering of our time Uh, here, I think that that, that's helped give me a lot of peace, a lot of perspective that Jesus's words are trustworthy there. Um, But I think as well, if you how to enter into a season of wandering, well, I think that it means remembering that that is true for you ultimately in heaven. Um, But it's also true for you, like, in this season of your life and uh, in your life in general, that the Lord has prepared a place for you that maybe um, was not where you came from. Um, but it's certainly like where you're going um, because he goes before us into um, those things. So yeah, remembering that Jesus has prepared a place for me in eternity, um, but also in my my mortal being and I can count on those words as true. Well, that's it for this week. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, As always, you can check us out at at thewell.podbean.com. We upload new episodes every Monday on Podbean, iTunes, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. You can also connect with us on Instagram and Facebook by searching three guys at the well. And if you want even more content and would like to help this podcast grow, consider becoming a patron and head on over to patreon.com forward slash the well for exciting bonus content. We'll talk to you soon here at the well.